And welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Carrie Brothers. Now, Carrie is a very talented singer-songwriter, and if you've watched TV in the past 20 years, chances are you've heard one of his songs. I discovered him by watching Scrubs. It featured his song Ride, fantastic song. But if you've watched Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, ER, Smallville, One Tree Hill, to name a few, you've heard his music. Also, he had a song, Blue Eyes, that was on the Grammy-winning soundtrack for the Garden State movie. Also a fantastic soundtrack featuring Zach Braff in the movie and Natalie Portman. So we can talk about how that soundtrack came about. We also talk about his covers album and some of the amazing artists that he worked with on that album. We talk about his bruises CD and about just the synth pop as opposed to the singer-songwriter genre. Carrie, very talented. I love my conversation. We feel talked about marvel we talked about star wars we talked john hughes movies and i hope you enjoy my conversation with him so carrie thank you so much for joining me today i really appreciate it awesome man thanks for having me on yeah so uh what have you been doing for like uh during the pandemic and everyone has been has their own you know different story uh you know writing music or just doing hobbies i mean how productive were you during the pandemic i I was in a, I had gotten into a groove of, for the first time in my whole life, like co-writing. I never really, co- like if I was working on a record, I would co-write with the producer. Um, but outside that, like I wasn't the kind of guy who would just, you know, I know a lot of friends who like two or three days a week, will go to a house or store more than that. We'll go to a house or a studio and, and write a song like every single day. And that's just not the way I operated. And I, I just, tr- I was trying that out and right at the moment where I realized I didn't enjoy it the pandemic happened so i was like yay <laughs> right. um i yeah when it when it hit i i um i was i stayed zoom sessions like writing with my producer for the new record and used a lot of the you know emotionally what i was dealing with and i had a friend who died very early on from covid um and channeled a lot of that into energy for the new record. And, and instead of, whereas initially I was like, oh, maybe I'll write with a bunch of different people. I found the right person who, who every time this, this guy, Scott Effman, this producer I'm working with, that every time we get together, uh, something great happens. I don't know if it's a full song or just an idea, but we don't miss. Like every time we get together, something cool happens. And he understands me really well and I understand him really well. Um, and he, he, he understood what I was going through and it was, and we, we, we came up, we're doing the whole record together. So that's kind of, I was doing that, but at the same time, man, I was just like, I was, I, 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 I'm of two minds about it because on one sense, I had a friend who died, uh, early on, I had a friend who died a few weeks ago in India. Um, and my mom, uh, caught it and it really messed with their hearing and it's permanent hearing loss so on one side it's like i saw the real effects of this thing which is why when people say it's a hoax or it's whatever i lose my fucking mind yeah um but on the other side it's like i got closer with my wife and with my connection to certain friends than i've ever ever had ever been before um, and so there's something really nurturing and, and 
interesting about about holding up together and um that was incredible that just you know solidified our relationship and made me realize why i love this person so much in the first place but yet outside in the world there was all this pain going on right and i so that was that's kind of where my head was throughout it. it was like i was i felt guilty about the fact that there was something beautiful happening while there were so many sad things happening and that's but that's also kind of how this record happened that's kind of what a lot yeah. of this record is about right it's like two extremes with this whole thing either oh, like you, you you kind of prosper like you get like you say you get closer to your family you know you, you do certain things or either you, you kill your spouse you know jokingly but you know or you know people who got divorced sick. right yeah. exactly and it's either you know it's loving or your divorce rate you know shoots shoots right up uh, i mean luckily for me it's it's been great uh but i mean i know people who've been in the hospital for like Two weeks and so many right. friends who, who had it unfortunately but they recovered but did, you, did kind of like your theme or sense of writing change because of the pandemic like the tones and themes of the songs i i think i was i think a lot of times when i write songs they i let ideas percolate for so long until they formulate themselves into a song and then by the time i'm kind of playing them, it's not that i've forgotten what i was writing about but it's just the song is what it is and whatever people are, however people are going to interpret it, that's fine. Like, I don't, I don't care if, about what, what people think a song is about. Whatever they think the song is about is what it's about. Right. Once I put a song in the world, it's not mine anymore. But it usually is such a, it's such a long time of me gestating and, and percolating and use, having all these personal ideas that ultimately become songs. In this way, it was a lot different because it was immediate. I was feeling a feeling. I was literally like, you know, hearing that my friend who's in the hospital who was dying, you know, might be pulled off a respirator. And I'm writing a song with that in mind that day. Not necessarily about that. Right. But with the uh with the that real life drama and sadness um happening right in my face. And so it couldn't help but seep into the songs in a real kind of immediate way, more so than maybe I ever had before. You know, that some songs have been like, you know, I broke up with someone, I went outside and wrote down, you know, lyrics and, and, and had an idea. But this, this, this was happening where I was working with a producer who wanted to capture the moment immediately. So the lyrics, the music, everything happened and was recorded within a day or two. Um, so it's and 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 so there, there's a that's kind of the the thread of that of the effect of COVID certainly is throughout this music that I'm making for sure. You mentioned like once your song is out there, it's not no longer yours; it's the listeners. Um, have you had people come to you and say this song, you know, helped me through a difficult time, and but maybe it was a different like interpretation that you meant it to be? Hundred percent. Yeah. Because listen, the 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 reason. My connection to music was how every single song that I love, I have a memory of my life that is connected to that song. And the memory of my life memory to me is more important than the song is. You know, it's just like, I love the song, but it's like it, it, it was the soundtrack to me and my friends going to the lake the summer before college or me kissing that girl for the first time or when my friend died and how I got through it or so when other people associate my songs with moments like that is the greatest honor that is could possibly happen. That is so much more important than how many records I sell or anything. And it's much more important than 
than my intention uh, being clearly delivered to the point that they know exactly what I meant when I wrote the song. And I, cause I've been in that situation before where somebody's like, you know, I've, you know, I meet people all the time because, because of the kind of, you know, sadder uh, songs that I write a lot of ways. <laughs> right, yeah. And to people uh, bring them into their lives in, in, in darker moments uh, in a lot of ways. And so I've met people who said, you know, like i you know, when my friend was dying of cancer and I, we listened to the song all the time and it really made us, uh, it really helped us get through a lot of this, this, this really horrible time because we knew that you, this song was about blank and you understood us. And in my mind, I'm going, oh, it's not about that at all. <laughs> right. But to their face, I'm going, absolutely. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Thank right. you so much. I'm honored that anything I did could even be involved in such an important moment in your life. Right. Um, so yeah, but I listen, I also have some friends who, you know, who are really egotistical right. and I'll be like, yeah, you know, when I put a song out in the world, it's not mine anymore. And they'll be like, nope, that's not, nope. When I put a song out, it's still mine. And I want people to understand exactly what I'm saying. I'm like, okay, well, I don't quite feel that way. <laughs> Would those be the people who would correct the fan that came up to you? Oh, 100%. And say, no, no, that wasn't the way it's supposed to be. Probably, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> the person that talked about their dying friend, too. Right, exactly. A lot of singer-songwriters, a, a, a lot of musicians are assholes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's funny because if I um, was basically younger or, you know, was in love with, a, you know, a girl who tried or trying to, you know, with her or whatever there are so many of your songs who i would you know dating myself and we're probably the same age that would make a mixtape with, with a lot of like a lot of songs on it's it. all about yeah. yeah exactly everything was about mixtapes right i mean i made countless you know mixtapes and but that was the beauty of it now it's like all right i'll just click on button and make it on a playlist <laughs> to somebody i mean like, the fact i mean the fact that there isn't the, the tangible I mean, the fact that I know, I even had my go-to like dismiss, please, please let me get what I want was always the last song in a mixtape because I would run out of space. And that song was so short, short right? You fit it right at the end. You wouldn't need a full song there. Perfect. Yeah. No matter, like there's so many people who are like, you always end mixtapes with that. I was like, yeah, because well, it fits. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But like that, but that, I mean, that was such an important, thing for me to do to express like who I was right and I think just click you know pulling a bunch of songs into a folder on a desktop doesn't quite feel the same yeah. way right and I would would you like label the songs on like the on the on the tape cover or no. would you just put no if well, you, I would you, name the mix right that's it I would, right? you, yeah. I would do everything yeah yeah Okay, because I mean, I start when I first started doing it, I put the name of the songs. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want it to be a surprise uh, for the person listening, you know, and then, you know. See, but inevitably, I guess, but what song is this and what song is that? And, yeah. You know. But then it's like, all right, then they're getting back to me. So I'm like, all right, if they're, if they're really into me, they, they care. Yeah, I mean, I, there's some mixtapes. <laughs> I, like I, I, pull, I found a box of stuff a few years ago with old mixtapes and I got, you know, found a Walkman that worked and put a battery <laughs> in there and listen. And it's just, there's nothing that transports me to, you know, place and time more than music. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Just immediately, I could feel that feeling and like the butterflies in my stomach for mm-hmm. that girl. I feel like I want to be with that girl right now, but it it's just transported me to that absolute sense memory moment. Right. That's, why, that's why the music is so cool. Like that nothing else does that. Movies can't really do that. Movies are the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I remember, where I remember what, like, who I was with when I saw Raiders and what I felt like yeah. afterwards. But right. while it was happening, it's just yeah. about Raiders. Right. It's funny because, like, I moved with my wife. Look, we celebrated a twenty-year anniversary. We've been together for twenty-seven years. But the very first movie we saw together was Threesome. Remember the movie Threesome? <laughs> and it just, it just happened to be that one. It's like it wasn't really trying to plan anything. It was just like. This is the first we kind of laughed when, when we, it was like, okay, but well, we'll see it, you know. But it, it just start yeah. was it yeah. Sherilyn Finn and was that the, I forget yeah, who, um yeah. was it Sherilyn Finn? Was it was one of the Baldwin's and some nineties yeah. yeah. Right. That's a Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, some Baldwin. There's like twelve of them. I can't remember. Sherilyn Finn the other one from Twin Peaks. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Lara Finn Boyle. That's who Lara Finn Boyle, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, you mentioned Twin Peaks. I, I spoke with James Morrison, who was on uh, 24 and stuff like that, and he was in Twin Peaks, and then he was just talking about the fact that he was in the show, and he's like, I can't believe I'm in the show. This is fucking awesome, you know? <laughs> so cool. Yeah, but, like, you know, speaking of TV shows, um, your songs are every, – every TV show out there now in, like, the past, like, 25 years, you know, it's probably one of your songs is out there. On you know, always, if someone's if someone's crying or dying on a television show, it's usually one a chance, right? <laughs> yeah, one of my songs has been in there, right? And I remember like when I first, I forgot the, the very first one I think I heard of yours was Ride, which I fell in love with that song as soon as I heard it on Scrubs. Everything I want to 
that back then it's like you really had to work to find the name of the song or the artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And now it's like you can just go on, I think it's like Tune Find or Hold Up. Tune Find. As the, yeah, there's like a guy who makes a living doing that. Now, yeah, right? totally. Yeah, it's a, it's a great site. Um, what's like your favorite like scene, like in a show that uses like one of your songs? I think it's the weirdest one is my favorite one. There, I mean, <laughs> I mean, some people are like, you know, the, they're like, oh, I, the one, you know, the, it's like the Grey's Anatomy where you could, right. where it was really loud and the people yeah. made it at the end of the episode. And, and that's cool. That's great. And it helps me like helps get the music out there. Right. There was an episode of this show, The Vampire Diaries. Okay. Yeah. Where it was a Christmas episode and I did a cover version of Oh, Holy Night. And I did this cover version of Holy Night that was very kind of this bombastic, like almost U2 covering Oh, Holy Night that I'm trying to, that I have a version that had been done since I was almost a kid, I think. And I finally recorded it and they were like, hey, we want to use it on the show. And I was like, oh my God, this could be great. It's like a holiday episode. Right. Oh, Holy Night. It'll be like beautiful. And like my mom's going to love it. My nieces loved that show. And so I was like, this is going to be so great, like family thing. I think I was on the road. And I get a call from my nieces and they're screaming at the top of their lungs. Like, <laughs> oh my God, Uncle Gary. And in the scene, there were like good, I don't know, good vampires and bad vampires, whatever. Right. And the bad vampire guy has the rest of them in the forest and he's like more powerful than they are. And he pulls out a sword and starts beheading them <laughs> to my cover of all night. Right. Blood is flying everywhere. And <laughs> rolling in the forest and like the dark moonlight, and it was just the great. It was the it's the weirdest, yeah. the weirdest cue I've ever had, and all but all so much fun and just and also right, like right. never would have expected that one. Like yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> but still somebody dying. So yeah, you know, right. Still, it fits the theme. Yeah. Were there any like shows that requested one of your songs that you never even heard of? Yeah, I mean, well, I I've never heard of a lot of shows now. It's right. just there's so many shows. I know. It's like, you know, they're, they're they'll come out, not just, but I always do like a little reset. I'll be like, okay, what kind of what is what is this? What is yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, there. I mean, there's so many things on on all these streaming platforms now. Like I, it's, it's like if, if it's I, if I go do a quick Google and it's like somebody cool made it or is in it or it's on a network that I've yeah. heard of. I'm like. Okay, that's fine. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know. It's so hard to keep up with stuff now. It's and like I don't know how you you are like binging is great, but like the way let's say Disney Plus does like with their shows, mm-hmm. Marvel and Star Wars, they right. do it once a week. I think it's better off that way because this way people can catch up and like kind of have like the talk about each episode. It's, it's I I I have binge stuff and I love, you know, my wife and I've disappeared for a weekend before for sure. Um, And I've loved that and love those times, but for the good of television, for the good of the shows, uh, I think the weekly format is better because I've binge stuff. And like four weeks later, I can't remember anything that happened in those shows. Cause it was just like, it's like candy. It's just like pounding sugar. And like, exactly. you're just—it's like mainlining this thing, and then it's so it's like going to a party and getting drunk, yeah. You know, and then it's like so much fun. Like, what happened? I don't yeah. know. We had a great time, then it was over. Yeah. Versus like having a couple cocktails and having a conversation <laughs> and remembering like what happened. Um, because like recently the 
um been watching white lotus on hbo which is okay good which is nuts mike white's new show and like the mayor of east town yeah and the 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 disney plus shows yeah i like that i like looking forward to something right in the same way i always like i I like looking forward to things i like i like you know rec new release days at the record Mm -hmm. store i like having that little that buzz of like something is coming and and the anticipation and anticipating something is so important for people and i think we've lost a lot of that when everything is available all the Mm -hmm. time there's no there's a there's a great moment where um or or night a a couple years ago where hotel cafe which is you know like i told you it's like my my home base in hollywood like they do a lot of late night secret shows okay john mayer plays there or like you know weezer played there like but like uh, dave Chappelle always does secret shows there that's where he's testing material right where it's like a phone bag where they put your phone in in an electronic sealed bag and so you can't right so we go inside the venue and everybody's phones are in sealed bags so you can't go on your phone nobody's taking pictures nobody's checking anything everybody's just present in the room and he he was smart enough to wait like another hour made people it was already like 11 p.m he made people wait to like midnight and the anticipation and the build-up and also, you know, you're meeting people who are standing next to you, which you yeah. aren't doing anymore. Because every, right. you know, if someone's by themselves, they're looking at their phone or they're taking selfies or whatever. And it was like, it was so cool to experience that again in an old fashioned way. And he's so smart to have forced that. Right. And the anticipation was crazy. By the time he got on stage, people went insane. And you know, he was like, there's nothing that, you know, there, there's, there's the digital experience um, is fine, but there's, there's nothing that replaces the real thing. Yeah, and, I and, totally agree. and I, I just, that, but that moment that, that reminded that when we were talking about anticipation, it reminded me of that. And, you know, I wish it's hard because, you know, there's some venues who I've, I've talked to owners of venues and I'm like, should we do the, the sealed bag thing, the phone ceiling thing? Yeah. And as a performer, oh my God, it would be so much better right. if everybody just did it because, and having a bunch of people in the audience who are paying attention to what you're doing and, and, and not just for an ego reason, but also yeah. just being present and being right. a part of the experience of a show. Cause the amount of times where I play shows now where I had to kind of learn that, you know, I'd be playing a show and I'd be a good crowd of people and there'd be inevitably there are two people in the front just staring at their screen, staring at their phone. Yeah. And it just makes me want to kick them in the face. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, right. like it gets so angry. I'm yeah. like, motherfucker, are you kidding me? Like, I'm right here. And inevitably, I realize after the show, they were filming the whole thing. Right. And they're at the merch table and want to buy everything. And they're huge fans. Yeah. And it's like, the thing, so... It just you I feel like I'm being ignored. It turns out those are the people they're who recording. Yeah. care so much, but they're recording this thing that they're probably never gonna watch. And they're not being like I said, like not being present in the room. And it's it's that really upsets me. It's it sounds like old man stuff, but I don't think it's old man stuff. I think it's it's just true. I think when you're when you're letting a screen or an electronic device get in the way of the air between you and a performance, right. you're 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 lessening the power of the performance. 
Right. I mean, because you, like you said, you're recording the performance, but you're not enjoying the moment. Yeah. And you know, more or less, you're going to delete it because you need space on your phone or or, or whatever. You know, it's like, I'm I'm totally all for like, hey guys, first song. If you want to post something on social media, like film the song, go for right. it. Yeah. Please, after the song, please be phoned up. Right. It's because it also listening. It, you know, um, I also understand that that's how, you know, spreading those videos across the internet also helps me as a performer. So right. I have to understand that that is valuable. Yeah. But there has to be a, there could be a midpoint. I'd like that right. between just people staring at their phones the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Now, like with, I mean, I, I think you're like, I mean, you're like music, you know, on, on the television career, obviously supersedes, you know, the radio airplay and, and stuff like that. Do you prefer that? I mean, I mean, because I mean, is radio play important now? Because I, I don't have, personally don't I, listen to it. I didn't get it. I didn't really have a choice when I first started. Right. Because I, I didn't have any money and I couldn't pay for a band. But I had an acoustic guitar, so I started playing music, found the Hotel Cafe. I played a bunch of other places in L.A., and I found the Hotel Cafe and started playing regularly. And, uh, you know, and, and prior to that, I had had a film production company. Okay. And one of the last scripts that I worked on, um, it's all these great writers that turned out to be make movies that are fantastic or, you know, right. or, like Jason Bateman was one of the writers I was working oh, wow, okay. right before he did Arrested Development. Like we, we had good taste that, which makes me feel good about that, what that company <laughs> could have been, but I'm, I'm right. happy I did music instead. But yeah. one of the last scripts I was working on was Garden State okay, um, with Zach. Cause right. I had Zach a little bit in college. We've become friends in LA and I had helped him work on that script for a couple of years. And then I was like, Hey man, I'm going to go play, mm. <laughs> shut this whole thing down go play music. Yeah. Seemed crazy at the time. But then I did what I really wanted to do and it worked. And um, when I came back, um, when I came back around, uh, wait, what were we talking? I'm totally lost my chair. Let's talk track of what I was talking about um, with Garden State. Why was I talking about Garden State? Oh, well, that was just. Um about the, the, the tv play over radio airplay and oh tv play over radio airplay. sorry let me try okay. that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no when 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 garden state happened um you know that instantly music supervisors were interested in my music for movies and tv shows right and i just realized at the time like am i gonna spend a ton of money trying to get radio people because inevitably it's still you have to spend money you know, payola isn't what it used to be, but you have to pay like, you know, a certain radio person in this market who knows the people who run the stations and you have to pay this radio person in this market to, the, you know, yeah. much less so than, hey, they like it and they want to play your music. I love those DJs, but there just aren't many of them. Yeah. Left. Um, so I was just focused on, okay, instead of paying people a bunch of money to, um, to, to hopefully play my song on the radio, I want to get paid right? to have people play my song in front of millions of people on TV shows. It just seemed like a no-brainer yeah. to take advantage of that opportunity. And I think radio radio pays really well. Like if you have a hit, it right. pays really, really well. Um, but the chances of getting in in the radio world are so slim that I just, I've had some success, um, mostly with just DJs that I really 
admire and they play my stuff just because they can they have the power to do that but so many radio playlists are it's you know a, a, a bunch of guys in a room in new york deciding what the playlist is going to be yeah. for all the stations across the country so if i don't have the power influence to to get into that room then it's like we just put songs on tv shows and as many yeah. people will hear them and I'll get, and I get, paid, like I said, I get men to pay my rent. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I remember um, we used to watch like Smallville and you know stuff on WB like years ago, at, whenever they would play a song at the end, you, I'm sure you know this at the end of the episode, they would say where, who the artist was and sure, where he sure. find. And that was like, I think it was kind of groundbreaking that, that, that was the first network that did that. And you know, obviously your music that was, was great on. for us. Yeah, like, exactly. you know, it was amazing for like, yeah. it'd be like, Oh, they're going to give you a card. I was like, right. what? They're, they're going to say your name. Yeah. It's the coolest thing. It's such a, an acknowledgement of what the music meant, which was really good of them. So they didn't have to do that. Do you think um, Garden State was like the last great soundtrack? Because there's no more soundtracks anymore, really. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird for me. I was so personally involved with Garden State. Right. That it's it's like um, that soundtrack. I mean, I listen. I grew up on soundtracks. Yeah, I grew up in Nashville, yeah. Tennessee, and I didn't have access to a lot of the bands that ended up on soundtracks, right. like John Hughes movie stuff. So that's how I got. That's how I found most of the. That's how I found the Psychedelic Furs. And that's how I yeah. found the Smiths. That's how I found so many of these bands that I loved were from soundtracks. Um, so it's, you know, it's hard for me to say Garden State because Garden State, the, once we had this opportunity, it was, you know, Zach was like, Hey, can, can I, you put your, put your song in this movie? I said, of course. And at the time it was like, I'm going to have a song in my friend's little movie. Right, no right. one had any idea it was going to be what it became or the right. soundtrack. Would come. So then it was like, okay, we can this is our chance to make one of those soundtracks we love because we're, we're never going to have a chance like this again. Because yeah. it was like right at the, it wasn't quite, you know, Zach was doing scrubs and he was on his way up, but it wasn't quite as successful as he became, um, especially after Garden State. Um, so we would just sit around and watch cuts of the film and with stacks of CDs and throw ideas out. And, you know, it'd be like, hey, we went to see Remy Zero at the Viper Room. Dude, that song would be great for this scene. Bam, it's in. Right. You know, this Alexi uh, Murdoch is playing, was a guy, a friend of mine who I play, went to see a show the other night and we played a thing in a hotel cafe. Bam, that song is in there. Yeah. Colin Hay, I just don't think I'll ever get over you. Like that was, I just worshipped that song. And Colin right. was very much like a mentor uh, in as much as I have, I've ever had one uh, in music to me, just like he was just such a nice guy and, yeah. and very, always very kind to me. And I loved that song so much and brought Zach. And I was like, you, the song's going to make you cry. And it's, you know, everybody who watched Colin play that song live cried. Yeah. And so having, yeah. and just, even just that moment, like getting, seeing a song that I love so much and figuring out a way to help get that song attention that I'm as proud of that as I am of my me, my own musical career, right. you know, having people realize love Colin as much as I did. But so, so it was, there was a lot of all those songs were such a part of our DNA at the time 
And it was like us making exactly what you said, man. It was like us making a mixtape. And we got to make a mixtape that then became, you know, Zach was the, the head curator and the rest of us were throwing ideas out. And we got to push this thing out in the world. And, and you know, it sells a million records. Like, dude, what? Like, I just, I remember being so excited that I, my name was on a CD in a store that said Sony at the right. bottom, you know? <laughs> It just felt like like I did it. And then the thing then that just kind of kept going. Um, yeah. So I do think, I do think in, in, I, I don't think, I don't know if they allow, I think, you know, James Gunn, what he does with the guardians, the galaxy stuff. I know it's very personal, like songs right. that he loved. Um, but in terms of finding like un mostly or some unknown music and giving it a real shot, uh, on a soundtrack like that, I don't know if that happens anymore. And the fact, like, even in the movie, it's actually, or sorry, Natalie Portman, you got to hear the shins, you got to right. hear that. So just promoting the soundtrack oh, in the yeah. movie, Literally, it's like, brilliant. To go buy this, yeah, it's like brilliant, you know. Like, like I, I love Colin Hay. I've seen him live a few awesome. times. He's just brilliant. I've been trying to get him on for years. Did you uh, watch the documentary? No. Oh, there's a documentary. It's on Amazon. And which, okay. but there's a there's a whole section in it with me and Braff and Bill Lawrence and his wife Krista. Bill Lawrence who did Scrubs, right? Krista was on Scrubs, yeah. and it's kind of this Rashomon thing of everyone trying to figure out who was the one who got the other one to go see Colin Hay. And I still to this day say I was the one who found him. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> or not found him, but I was the one yeah. who went to Largo and because right. my produ uh, producer Chad, who ended up making my first record. Uh, and recorded Blue Eyes and all that. He was Colin's drummer and produced okay. stuff. He just produced a new, uh, Colin just did a covers record that's coming out soon. Yeah. It's probably going to be fantastic. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. I, yeah, I just reached out again to get him on the show, so fingers crossed. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, Zero Seven I love on on that soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And just, like, Fru Fru. I mean, there's so many, you know, great artists in there that, you know, you wouldn't discover it if you didn't hear that, uh, that soundtrack, which is it's great. I mean, like, like you said, the uh, Guardians are great, but it's all songs that everyone yeah. knows. Listen, it's yeah. also, I've also, you know, I have friends on the other side who I suggested for the soundtrack and were, you know, we were denied use of their stuff who like okay. didn't find out at the time. And like, I was on tour with a friend of mine and we were talking about, he was brought up the Garden State soundtrack and I was like, yeah, man, well, you could have been on that, but your manager said no. And he was like, my manager said, what? Oh. He didn't even know that he, <laughs> that his manager had rejected him from being on this indie movie soundtrack because there wasn't enough money. Oh wow! <laughs> so it could go, it could go south too. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you got to play the long game. You know, you don't get the money now; you get it later on because you're going to be on yeah, that soundtrack. I'm just like I'm always of the mindset of like just get the music out. Get there. it out there. Yeah. Get the music out there. More people listening, the better. Absolutely. Was there ever a TV show? That you wanted one of your songs on friday night lights oh. friday night lights i wanted a song on that show so badly my songs didn't really make sense for you know the te texas thing <laughs> yeah you know? <laughs> so it right. never i never had that happen but but that yeah that was the one show that was like i wish the two the two things that got past me were uh I didn't have a song on Friday Night Lights and I always, I played every talk show, but Conan O'Brien. 
and Conan was my favorite. Conan right. was my, back in the day, and it's just the yeah. window of like doing stuff just didn't right. happen. But I, you know, yeah. it's like Leno is cool and whatever. Yeah. But like those other shows are cool. Like Letter playing on Letterman was the greatest thing ever. Right. But at the same time, like for my specific age, old school oh. Conan was. Yeah. Like when I moved to LA, I didn't have any friends here and I would just get stoned and watch Conan O'Brien every night. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's like, he was like my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause his show started when I was a freshman in college. I'd watch yeah, it every exactly. night. It was exactly. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I was just out of college or I guess, yeah, I guess when it was, I was ending college when it first started, but, but those are all the, the early Conan O'Brien was just brilliant. Yeah. Back when they just had, they could do anything they wanted. Yeah. They didn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah no no speaking of covers you did a couple you know cover eps um all, all brilliant and i love like the the choice of you know female artists you, you've worked with or with the, they were all hotel cafe like alum so to speak sort of i mean yeah, rachel yamagata for sure right. uh rachel's just rachel's an absolute genius i love um, her yeah i just think rachel is someone who maybe I mean, she's been lauded and loved and she has a crazy audience around the world, but in turn, you know, she's, she's one person who like, I think um, there's another level of success for her that maybe even lies ahead. Um, she's just so great. And she's one of the greatest, funniest, coolest people on earth too. Um, and Butterfly Boucher, similarly, like that's yeah. another person who I, I tend to find Butterfly with someone who, again, I think is an absolute genius. Uh, I don't know that there's anyone I've ever I see play music on stage that is more of a bona fide rock star and not completely, you know, understood as a rock star than Butterfly Boucher. Um, you know, that's the weird thing about this job, man, is seeing people. I've seen some not talented people become very successful and seen the most talented people I know fall off the radar. Yeah. And it's and it it has nothing to do with talent. It has to do with luck and timing and hard work and all these things mixing into just the right thing. So when I have the opportunity to you know to to put some music out there, I just want the best people, and that's why picking picking especially picking the um, them for that project for the the covers project um, kind of comes from comes from that idea. Just I just you know I don't I whether it's I don't care if someone is incredibly successful or not. I just want, if I wanted somebody great that I really love to be singing with me. Yeah. I, I saw Butterfly. She opened for Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. She, Dude, like, Butterfly gets up there. Butterfly, I saw Butterfly play. She did there's some TV thing with Sarah McLaughlin where she was, you know, playing her, playing bass. And she's up there in like her like leather jacket yeah. and playing bass. And like the only thing that you care about on stage, I mean, Sarah Locke is a damn talented human being, right. but the only person that mattered on stage was Butterfly Boucher. Yeah, exactly. She's like just stood out. It was just great. Yeah. And did you intentionally pick a Bowie song? Cause she kind of had the background with Bowie. No, it's funny. I had no idea she and Bowie had recorded that together. Right. But they had done that song together when I, um, cause you know, Butterfly, Butterfly, it's, it's weird to me. I mean, also in terms of when I first moved to LA, Butterfly's song, Another White Dash yeah. was all over the radio when I got here. So I just, it's one of the things where I thought Butterfly, that's just a gigantic rock star. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then, right. 
I go to Nashville and um, she's, you know, beloved and incredibly talented. And, but, you know, she, she wasn't, she wasn't uh, living in a mansion and um, as she should be yeah, <laughs> in my mind. Um, but, but when I, yeah, I just asked her to do it just cause I think she's brilliant. And I thought yeah. her voice was perfect for that song. Right. Yeah. No, I, I wish uh, more stuff would come out of hers. I haven't heard too much of her music. Yeah, I think that, again, I think she's another person that I think there's another gear yeah. that's, that's that um, I kind of feel that way about a lot of my friends, you know, that I'm like, right. I just, I, I wish, I wish the very best and all the success for everyone I know. And especially there's certain people like that that are just like extra special. They have an extra yeah. little magic fairy dust when they perform. And, and I wish... I wish as many people, they, not that they haven't had great success and people don't love their music, but I wish right. everyone did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's weird because now there's like more avenues, you know, to get the music out there, but it seems like it's harder. Oh yeah. Hear it. It's, it's weird. Yeah. It's well, it's, it's, it's all over the, we do. There's so many ways to hear music that, um, you know, it used to be like certain, the only, uh, you know, the radio station or a few yeah. TV shows or right. a few, and now like, plus like TikTok and all these apps. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to people, I'm talking about putting my new record out and some of the label people that I've, you know, talked with, they're like, well, we also want to talk about, you know, TikTok and social media strategy and being sure we can get kids yeah. putting your songs and TikTok videos. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And I get it. I understand it is powerful influence but that's still so weird <laughs> i know because my, my daughter's addicted, addicted to it so you hear the music oh, and then you'd right. hear it like on the radio or whatever it's like oh yeah or she'll hear it oh that's a tiktok song i'm like it is i know but then again it's <laughs> when like a you know a fleetwood mac song but suddenly becomes right. a tiktok phenomenon yeah exactly. like, okay, that's, that's nice right <laughs> yeah how did you pick the songs for, for the ep I just, I definitely didn't pick them for commercial value. Right. <laughs> yeah. Bill Leffler, he's like, he's like, you picked songs that weren't all hits. I was like, yeah, well, I just, I picked songs that I care about. Yeah. Um, the, I just, you know, honestly, it's just things that I've always like, like, for example, that Bowie, Absolute Beginners. I just right. thought Absolute Beginners was an incredible song that yeah. doesn't quite get the love that I thought it, that you know doesn't get good love with the other Bowie songs especially because that movie didn't do very well and yeah. it kind of got pushed down a little bit but I just thought always thought that chorus was just incredible and I always just wanted to sing it and then when I thought about the idea of being able to sing it with a voice like butterflies I was like okay let's do that yeah perfect <laughs> yeah because uh because you, you nailed like you know never tear us apart song my favorite next an excess uh, song and you. they're like Ordinary World is like the best Duran Duran song ever. I mean, I, I, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll go to my grave saying that. And it's, you know, it's a shame that they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's another conversation. I'm they're trying. not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No. That's bonkers. Yep. Like, I get, I get that. I get that at the time people viewed them as these pretty boys on MTV. Yeah. But like, musically speaking, like Nick Rhodes as a keyboardist, yeah. Simon Vaughn's what he could do vocally. Right. And I mean, John Taylor's bass playing yeah, was I mean, phenomenal. Right. And I mean, like there are bands that you, you can kind of question whether it's Bon Jovi or Death Leopard, whatever. But like, they also were like the forefronts of like a movement. 
during the, you oh, know, yeah. the, the videos and everything like that. And, and that has to amount you know, to, to something. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah they, 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 they set the precedent for everything. I mean, yeah. some people say in a bad way, but like, <laughs> I don't know, some people think Steven Spielberg ruined movies and yeah. I don't agree with that at all either. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Although, um, what was the movie that Stanley Kubrick started directing and then he died and oh, uh, the AI AI. Yeah. So love that movie up to one point. And then you can kind of see where the Steven Spielberg influence kind of took yeah, over. I can't, I can't stand that movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. AI is one that I'm just like, mm, yeah. right. that's not, that's not, I, it's like that should have been left to Kubrick's yeah. dark viewpoint. Right. Yeah. Because there was one point, I think that he was underneath the water. He sees like there was a blue fairy or something uh -huh. like that. And then it cuts to like the right. future nine million years. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. And then you kind of <laughs> see the, the Spielberg influence. I'm like, oh, come on, Steve. Yeah, it's like, come on, damn it. But, you know, okay. he did direct those other 10 all-time classics. Yeah, exactly. He can fault <laughs> you can fault him for some of those, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, Crystal Skull, eh, you know. I just pretend that movie never happened. Yeah, I mean, there were some good parts, but then there was a lot of, like, why are they making this? Yeah, but that's what happens when you, there's, like, a long gap in franchises. It tends not to be good when the movie comes out. I well, I heard that there were. I've kept hearing about great. Um, I think. I think. Uh, listen, I'm curious to see what this new Indiana Jones movie is like without yeah. the influence of George Lucas. Right. Because I always heard that there were great scripts written for a fourth Indiana Jones movie, and they were all that Spielberg would be like, "This is awesome," and Harrison Ford, yeah. Harrison Ford would say, "This is awesome," and then George Lucas would say, "Nope, nope, this doesn't go with my vision." It's like the vision that made the prequels. <laughs> Come on, guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, I look at the prequels now and it's like, they're kind of growing on me a little bit, especially after the, the last three movies. Uh, besides Last Jedi, which I really loved. But the last one, I still get Here, angry. Here's my problem with the prequels is that I just, if a Haley Joel Osment level of actor had played him instead of that kid, yeah, I would be able to revisit if someone other than Hayden Christensen who I think then became a good eye he's done things I've seen since yeah, I thought he was good yeah. he's really young and he kind of wasn't ready for it if that role had been like you know they really you know, Lucas really wanted that to be DiCaprio and if it had been like that level of actor I think it would have been very different also my biggest problem with that movie and it's so weird with all the the CG backgrounds, yeah, and it's the hair, it's the wigs, and you can see where they like CG'd uh, right. Ewan McGregor's hair. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't like it's that feeling in your stomach when you know something you're watching is wrong. Yeah, and as much as I get, I get it, and I know you can. It's like you things can grow on you. It's like when you're just watching something that's wrong. I can't. I can't get past it. But then, then I watch these new ones, and I'm like, oh, they're. I didn't think the prequels, anything could be worse than the prequels. And I yeah. saw that last that last Star Wars movie was just the worst junk. Yeah, I mean, it's been what almost it's almost two years now, I guess a year, a year and a half or whatever. There's part of me each day <laughs> that just I think about it for a second, and it just angers me. It's not like J.J. Abrams ruined my childhood, but it's like why, why, there's no redeeming quality of anything in that movie and it's just it's listen i mean we all shouldn't know something's wrong the way they killed 
Han Solo at the end of the first yeah. one. Agreed. He just got stabbed and fell down a pit. It was great. Yeah. It was a you know film threat. You know film threat that old like, yeah. magazine Chris mm-hmm. Moore, the guy who ran film threat. Yeah. He, there's an interview with him, and he was like, when he gets stabbed and falls down the you know ravine, whatever yeah. the the, the right. black hole. It's like that's how bad guys die in movies. Yeah. Bad guys get stabbed. Yeah. That's Hans, you know, like Hans right. Gruber. That's yeah, how exactly. bad guys die. Right. Like he died like a bad guy. Like it was so tonally, he didn't sacrifice. No. He didn't save everyone in his final moment. He wasn't a hero. He just got yeah. killed by his son. And his friends weren't, all of his friends weren't even there. Not to mention the fact there wasn't a scene. The only reason I wanted to see this movie was to see a scene with Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, and Princess Leia in a room together. Agreed. And they were stupid enough that they didn't even do that. And it's like, okay, that's the end of my rant. <laughs> I, I agree and then like even like when they the falcon comes back you don't even get a scene with Chewie embracing leia over the death you don't even get that it's just like why so stupid you know i mean at least i know people were upset that luke died but at least he died for a cause yeah and you no, know, for and, a reason like han yeah. solo was my guy right. my whole childhood was like han solo is my guy and i watch him die and he's just like an old guy who falls off a platform yeah Come on, yeah. Come on, JJ. I, yeah, I totally agree. And they they could have had also our movie review show is going to be great. Exactly, you know, <laughs> coming soon. Yeah, and they could have had their Endgame moment where you saw all the ships return. At the, you know, with, with Lando comes with the Millennium mm-hmm. Falcon, but they ruin it and show it in a commercial in the trailer. And it's just like, that was like a great scene to see all those ships come back, but you know it's coming. feeling that most of the J.J. Abrams films, like he doesn't know what the movie is until the very last second. Right. He's desperately scrambling to fill in. And I get that a lot of movies are are made in the edit. Of course. But like there's, but the problem is movies that are made in the edit, okay, you can make it in the edit, but then you have to shoot scenes that fill in the holes. Right. And he just kind of matches it all together and assumes that people will forget about the giant gaping blood holes through these movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still want to know about Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. You know, that was yeah. like a key huh? thing throughout the whole series. Oh, yeah. You know? Okay, well, I mean, whatever. I just got angry again. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um, what do you think of Black Widow? Now I'll just get off at a total rant here. Uh, Blackwood is great. Well, Florence Pugh is a friend of mine. Oh wow! Okay. And um, and uh, I was so we were kind of spent the uh, um a lot of time in during lockdown. Okay. She was part of like the bubble. I was right. With my friends up in the hills, and um, I was so excited to see her do that, and I thought she was just absolutely incredible like outside of being a friend like i look at yeah and i'm like i i have have difficult i live in la i have a lot of friends who are actors i see them do things in movies big and small and tv and and a lot of times i can't really watch my friends act because in the very by them being my friend and me knowing who they are as people and then seeing them on a screen the artifice is shoved in my face right because it's just this isn't real because that's not who that person is. Yeah. Who that person is. 
but I have to say like watching that, I just thought, I thought she nailed every single bit of that character. Um, and, um, and has a lot left to do with the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Looking forward to Hawkeye because she's going to play a big role in that series. Yeah. She, and she was, she was like, do you want to know, you know, she's like, I was like, don't have any spoilers. Like, I don't want to know anything. Right. Exactly. I don't want to know secrets. I, yeah. I love, like I said, I love the anticipation of, Friday night at a movie or, or now I guess like, you know, went, you know, Tuesday night at midnight for a Marvel show, like whenever, whenever they come out. Yeah. That was, that was the one thing I, I remember when I, when we got our house, I'd just be working my ass off during the week, like building stuff and painting and getting, getting things ready. Yeah. And my one little respite um, in those last days of kind of COVID lockdown was, uh, Friday night or, or Thursday night, like putting all my tools down and watching WandaVision. <laughs> yeah. It was such a great show. It was. Yeah. It was, it was just fantastic. But uh, yeah, just because I, if you have the option with watching Disney Plus, you know, Black Widow, it's like, no, you got to see that in the theater. Oh, yeah. yeah it's like you got to, you need to see stuff. But I just, I, I, I I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going home to Nashville to see my mom and I'm going to see a bunch of friends there. And, you know, they're, I guess the suicide squad movie's coming out. Yeah. And it's again, like I, if I'm going to see a movie like that, I want to see it on the big screen. I know that I want to see that. I'm going to go see the 7 PM screening when the theater is totally packed. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, right. I'll find a nice matinee yes. and nice half attended matinee. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, one of my goals in life is this was pretty sad. It was to be the only person to see a movie in the theater, to be the lone person in the theater. And I almost had that when I saw Magnolia. Oh, and wow. I was like, we have all movies too. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. No one came. Then the, the last trailer, like four people came. I'm like, oh, damn it. Like, Come maybe on. I should leave and try it again. <laughs> but it, it actually it happened like a few years after that. It was. It was he was lock up or locked. It was a movie with Guy Pierce. He was in space. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maggie yeah. Grace. And it was just like a terrible movie. It's a ripoff of another movie. Yeah, it was. It, yeah. It was, I can't remember what movie it was. I remember watching it and being like, oh, they just uh, changed the character names from this other movie. Yeah. I, I mean, so I love Gar- Guy Pierce. He's a great actor. But I'm like, this is not, you know, he's playing an action hero in space. And it's like, at least I'm the only person in the theater. So that worked out. <laughs> I mean, when I went to Magnolia, to the two movies I saw when I brought, I'd, broken up with, I guess it was around the same time or it was the same relationship when I this girl I broke up with got back together and then broke up with her again right I went movies I went to see by myself when I lived in Westwood in um you know in in, in east or west Los Angeles uh there are great old movie houses in Westwood Westwood Village where they used to have all the big movie premieres for a lot of them and that's where I would, those theaters are where I'd see the movie right and I remember the first time we broke up, I that night I went to see Eyes Wide Shut, which is <laughs> a terrible breakup movie. Yeah. And the second time we broke up, I went to see Magnolia. And so like I there is like again, like, you know, in the same way that you attach a song to something, it's like yeah. when I watch those movies, it's hard for me not to uh it's hard for me not to associate the break that really right. dark like breakup feeling yeah like you know we were probably crying within the last 24 hours uh and same thing happened with the the, the dark knight rises that 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 movie okay. exact same thing so those 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 are my three like affected by sadness breakup films right 
Yeah, I mean, at least with uh, Dragon Rises, at least I guess it ended on a happy note. I mean, so does I don't know. Yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's all interpretation. Yeah, I, I, my wife and I would see Eyes Wide Shut, and she's like, "You owe me big time," because I, I totally wanted to see it, and it's just like three hours. It was so long, and that movie is a doozy. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't get anything out of it either. So. <laughs> Yeah, but I got to ask you because you actually have the audacity to cover one of my favorite songs by Lil Wayne too. I'm <laughs> joking. I'm I'm just joking because it, it, actually it, it's a brilliant cover. Uh, you know something about you. Um, what made you decide to cover that? And Laura Jensen. I mean, I never heard of her before, but she had a tremendous voice.
god, that's one of the exits, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that <laughs> Magnolia? <laughs> no, she was Dark Knight Rises. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, she, uh, um, but yeah, we're buds now. Um, she's, yeah, she's so damn talented. Um, I, I just, you know, I, it's one of those things where a lot of the covers that I've done, I'll pick up, I, I love when, I, when, I, when I'm not kind of creatively inspired, I'll just sit down with my guitar late at night and be like, okay, I'm going to try to figure out one of my favorite songs. Right. And if, and sometimes I'll, you know, I'll just play it as is, as it was written. And inevitably, if sometime in that point in that process, I'll something clicks. And I go, wait a second. If I change the rhythm and then it sounded like this and I could, but it still could capture the melody and I could still, you do a guitar part that would capture that right. part, you know, and, and make it special and make it unique. And that was one of the songs that just instantly I tried that good. I picked up the acoustic guitar and, you know, for such a slap bass heavy, yeah. funky song, um, right. it was even better because it was so far away from the initial, the, the original version of the song. Um, and I just, I, I, I just did love that song. I just, I, it, it was also right. That song was right in the era when I was a little kid listening to Casey Kasem Top Forty and yeah. watching MTV or Friday Night Videos. Or whatever exactly. It was. Yeah. You know, and right. so like that was like that. There's such great nostalgic memories of that song. So it made perfect sense for me to want to do that. But, um, you know, that's also like you know, the guys from Love Forty Two. And the Thompson twins, and usually when I recover a song, I try to get in touch with them. Okay. Um, just to get their blessing, honestly. Yeah. You know, I, not that I don't know. Hopefully, so far, so good. They all liked them. Oh, but it, and nobody said, please don't put this out in the world. Right. But like, I have to, yeah, I have like great letters from um, Level 42 guys and Thompson twins and uh, the guys from uh, one of the guys from uh, Spandau Ballet. Because I oh, covered okay. True years ago for a oh, soundtrack. Yeah. The Camp Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just uh, that I, I, you know, I just it's it's me getting to tap into my childhood a little bit. And, yeah. And bring back something that I loved and 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 say, but it's all about making sure it makes sense in my voice. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because covers are tough because you don't want to just play it as is, like kind of like Weezer yeah, did with probably, you know Africa. It's just kind of like it's just like. You know, I guess that they did well with it, but it's like that doesn't seem that interesting to me. Yeah, although, um, like Ice House's um, "Electric Blue," uh, love that song, fantastic mm -hmm. song. The Killers covered it. And oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's brilliant. It's on, it's on oh, YouTube. Okay. They, they did a <laughs> tremendous job. Yeah, but it's just like because all your versions are completely different from the original. And I think that's what makes it stand out. Well, it was like I think it was weird for me. I I did. I was I was like I'm gonna take songs I love and put them, make them, put them into a format that works for me and my right. vocally and, 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 um, and the style of music that I play. And, and now it's become a thing for it. Just that's the kind of style, the kind of music I played is a more mellow acoustic, you know, singer songwriter thing. But now there's this thing of like people covering sad or, dark versions of songs in every trailer yeah. and it's getting a little silly yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it's like i wish they all could be yeah. california right. you know it's like come the on happiest yeah. song ever and <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. you're just like you're ruining right. childhoods
Yeah. You're scaring the children. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is that why you got you release uh, Bruises, which is a fantastic album, kind of to change your pace? Right? Yeah. Well, Bruises is, is just, listen, I, you only live once and I'm going to make the music I want to make. Right. I understand that putting a synth pop record out to an audience of that likes me as a singer songwriter right. makes no sense to most yeah. of my audience. Um, but that's, you know, that, that's, that is, if, if I think if I had met band members who were like-minded when I first started playing music, I, that's the kind of music I would have played. Yeah. That would, that's, I'd be on stage with a band playing big right. synth heavy. Yeah. I'm more killer Z probably. Right. Right. Up. Um, and I just knew that was a part, it's a part of my DNA. It's what I listen to. It it's as much a part of me musically as the songs that I do put out in the world. So right. I wanted to put that out there. And then, <clears throat> you know, it's just crazy because I put out this record that was, you know, synth record. And I knew it wouldn't be as successful as my other stuff simply because in a lot of ways I can't compete with like alternative radio the same way yeah. I could with like, right. you know, uh, singer songwriter, triple A radio stuff. And, but KCRW in Los Angeles, which is the morning becomes eclectic is the show that like so many, some bands broke and all right. that. So, and somebody, I found so much great music over the years. And, but I had never really been, my stuff was never to get played much on KCRW and the single for bruises came out and I'll never forget waking up the morning and a friend of mine left me a message. Like, I think I just heard your song on KCRW and it, then they played it every single day for like two months and it went top five and it was just the coolest thing. And that's that album. I'm so proud of it. Musically. Yeah. It, it, it monetarily was not successful, right. um, but it brought just for that alone, yeah. just for me having this, having a moment for a couple months of being played on my favorite radio station, right. my favorite radio show. Um, it was worth everything. Right. And it's just, that's who I am. That's that music is who I am, yeah. who is who I was at that moment. Um, this new record I'm making, it's funny. It's like, I think for years people have kind of think of me as a singer songwriter, even though like ride was definitely not a singer songwriter song. It's, right. It leans more into like a, <clears throat> that kind of Brit pop or eighties even kind of style. Yeah. But people like to, put you in a box. And I think I was put in the box of singer songwriter. It's, that's what, that's what the quote unquote, they want me to do. Um, and it's really hard to fight against what they want. They don't want to tell the story, this new story of you, of me doing something different. So it's really interesting that now in this year, I've kind of accidentally and very happily and proudly made a straight up singer songwriter record. Okay. You know, that, that like right. I'm making a record that it's just it's the record that I want to make. But it also happens yeah. to be kind of that that thing that people, I think, expect of me. And a lot of people want me to do. Um, it just conveniently worked out that way because of a super sad global pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like the this, this singer songwriter like title, I mean, like all the songs on Bruce, I'd imagine you wrote. So you're still singing your soul song. I mean, it's just kind of, it's, oh, a, yeah. weird, it's, it's a weird category. Yeah. It's well, it. it's just, you know, people just think of, you know, it's like Paul Simon or, yeah. or Nick Drake or right. Joni Mitchell or that kind of, somebody was saying the other day, like 
talking about the idea that the Beatles ruined music. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, before the Beatles, there was one brilliant person who wrote the songs or two people. There was one brilliant person who, uh, a band that, you know, like the, the Wrecking Crew guys or something that played. Yeah. There were a person who was a brilliant singer who would come in and sing like Sinatra or, you know, brilliant arranger like yeah. you know, Quincy Jones or whatever. And they, all the parts of these things would create brilliant songs. Right. And the Beatles came along and they did it all themselves. And then it made everybody think that they could do it too. Hmm. <laughs> and yeah. they're not as brilliant. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, I guess, yeah. The but it's, yeah, it's a singer songwriter thing. I think it was just, you know, I think it just lives as a, and here I am sitting talking to you in Laurel Canyon. Like, I think it, it lives as part of the Laurel Canyon myth. Right. You know, that sixties myth and of, of picking up an acoustic guitar and, and, you know, telling your truth, which some people have done, you know, Joni Mitchell's blue just celebrated its anniversary. That's the record that probably cracked open that very specific thing. Right. We mentioned like mixtapes earlier on, but like, Brush Crowley would have been on a mixtape if I was younger. Yeah, oh. it, yeah, it's just such a, you know, it's a, it's a great song.
Crush, yeah, Crush was the song. And it was like, right. and Crush was just like, that's the song. And I'm like, that is, that song is as much me as anything mm-hmm. I've, that my personality is anything I've ever made. Right. Um, which is hard for people to understand mm-hmm. when I've also done Blue Eyes. Yeah, that's true. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't, they, can, they have difficulty understanding you can be different things. Yeah. yeah. You can be more, you know, just one dimensional. <laughs> but like, you, you could think like Crush can be on any John Hughes movie. Oh, well, that, that was the whole idea. I mean, to me, part of that, part of making that um, record was the idea that um, th- this, this record was kind of like a John Hughes movie soundtrack. Right. It's like just by one person. Yeah. <laughs> John Hughes was still alive and he's like, Gary, I want you to do all the songs for my movie. That's kind of what Bruises is. Right. What is your favorite John Hughes movie? Um, I mean, I think in terms of it, it, it's not the the teen sad answer, but in terms of total entertainment value, Ferris Bueller just is such an incredible film. Yes. It's just such a. I mean, I mean, I I think the older I get, I mean, I listen. I love the Breakfast Club. I literally have a Breakfast Club poster like right. in the studio so it's like yeah. it's how do i say not say that but um i i think the older i get the more distance i am from those kind of the teen emotions that connected me to those movies um and whereas ferris bueller is just like this kind of farce yeah um but you know and and i mean it's also like there's some stuff in 16 candles that is not okay like when no. you look back now, there's, yeah. some, there's some stuff that is just straight up like, mm, I don't think, right. like, I can't really show that to my kids without, like, when I have kids one day. I can't, I couldn't yeah. ever show that to my kids without a big warning. I know. A lot of those movies you just can't, like, <laughs> yeah, you make those today. But yeah, it's probably Ferris Bueller and uh, Plane Trains and Automobiles. Yeah, Plane Trains and Automobiles yeah. is, is the movie that every year, every Thanksgiving, my wife is like, is it time yet? Right. Is it time yet? Yeah. Are we going to watch Plane, Trains, and Automobiles? Right. When John Candy, when that happened, when the twist happens at the end, which now I mean, I've seen that movie so many times. I know. I've never not bawled. Like John Candy is, somebody, somebody was saying they watched Stripes a couple nights it's ago. Right. Yeah. I was like, John Candy was such, we lost such, I, I think John Kenny would have won Oscars. I, I, I agree. I think there was so much there. He had so much, speaking of people having other gears in them, like yeah. he had so much more to do. And it's so sad that that guy died when he did. Yeah. I mean, he was a treasure. <laughs> Just what, I mean, we do like watch Splash not too long ago. Yeah. He's like so the brother, with Tommy's brother, I think yeah. he was just crazy yeah. in that movie. And plays just can, can do so many different things, but man, yeah, I just he's and playing chase and automobiles like he breaks my heart every single time. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess um, the uh, taxi cab scene had Larry Hankin on, who uh, was on. Oh, Titans nice. And, you know the the it was the TV Kramer oh, from Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he, he was the um, the cab driver. He told me that they shot so much stuff where John just kept shooting and shooting for that scene. They must have had like ninety minutes worth. Oh, for that scene yeah <laughs> yeah because he just kept the cameras going and then john just left he went up to like the control room and just stayed there while they kept shooting it was just like that's so awesome like, like, why are we doing this? um did you ever listen to that podcast i was there too 
Oh no, I've heard of it. I haven't listened yet. You gotta go check that out. It's you it's very up your alley. It's basically like people who were like number five on the like movie call sheet. Right. Always like other, you know, day players and character yeah. actors telling their perspective. Because you always hear like the famous people's of course. Yeah. Was. But hearing like their version of what happened on set and what they yeah. thought. And of course, it's inevitably ten times as interesting as the safe thing you're gonna hear from like a movie star. Right. Yeah. I, I've, I've had a couple of those people on it. Just you, you mean, the stories you hear. It's just that's like, where you yeah. find this when people talk about like how stoned Harrison Ford was all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now he's just a cranky old man. <laughs> he's probably still just as stoned. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but um, before we go, do you remember where you were the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio? Um, I was driving, I was on tour. Uh, driving into st louis to play a morning radio show okay and they played we were late <laughs> so they were playing the song before i was supposed to be there they're like coming up next is carrie brothers and i was like, like 10 minutes away across town oh that's fun um and just yeah that was pretty amazing there's not there's i mean you know like like i said radio is a tough nut to crack um but hearing the song Hearing a song unexpectedly is the coolest mm -hmm. thing in the world for a songwriter. I mean, and I also say that, I also say that when I've heard Ride and Home Depot, it's equally as cool. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason, like, <laughs> Home Depot and Wendy's. Yeah. And like, there's certain places that really like my music. Right. <laughs> do you got, are you like kind of taken aback when that happens or do you start singing with it or you kind of like nudge people? It's like, that's me. What's also sometimes it's like I don't notice it because it's my song. Okay. And a weird, I don't know if that makes any right. sense, but it's almost like I've heard some, you know, it's like it takes me a second to register. Right. Like, wait, what is happening right now? Like yeah. buying a, you know, I'm buying a blade for a skill saw and like Ride is playing. And yeah, yeah there is a part of me that's, you know, that there's a little bit like wants to go like, hey, that's, that's my song. Yeah. But like the checkout guy at Home Depot yeah. just doesn't give a shit. No, <laughs> <laughs> he's the last person right care about one of my stupid singer songwriter songs. He's just counting the time to go his next break or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I really appreciate your time tonight, Carrie. And yeah, man, I'll have you back when the new album comes out. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was nice talking to you, and 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 uh, and I, I I'm excited to see who you're gonna get next. Your your incredibly eclectic collection of people on your show. And a special thanks to Carrie for joining me today. You can follow him on Twitter at Carrie Brothers. And if you have a guest suggestion, you can hit me up on Twitter at the first Noel 19 or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. And go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I would really appreciate it. But if you don't have iTunes, not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you can listen to a podcast. A new episode comes in every week. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you then.